has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped at 10 Ranch We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, 27-year veteran of the NYPD, retired out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. Folks, we've been covering, of course, the, the overarching thing is the Murdoch case. But it really now, since Alec Murdoch has been found guilty in the murder of his son, Paul, and his wife, Maggie, we move on to the next case which was the 2015, which has now been determined to be a homicide of Stephen Smith. There's a lot of confusing things about this investigation. One of them, of course, is the fact that why did it take nearly eight years for them to call this a homicide? You know, we call in the police department, there's a, an acronym, it's called CYA, and it stands for Cover Your Ass. And there seems to be a lot of CYA going on behind the scenes here with different investigative bodies. And it doesn't, it doesn't look well. It doesn't look so good. And especially when we're seeing it all under the umbrella of this whole, almost like we call it the Murdoch crime family, because that's what it's looking like right now. When you have a man who's in a prestigious law firm that has ruled in a South Carolina town for almost 100 years. And that very man committed a double murder and has been linked to 8 to $12 million in thefts. Something's rotten in Denmark, or rather South Carolina. And it's not pretty. And some of the things my instincts tell me that this case in 2015 is really ugly. It's really ugly in the fact that there seems to be a tremendous amount of corruption involved in this case. And we're going to talk about it. And we don't have any further information than anyone else has. Of course, everyone is waiting for the information that SLED, uh, South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, is going to release, we hope is going to release very soon, in regards to the evidence that they recovered at the double murder scene of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. Allegedly, well, right out of their mouth, they recovered some evidence that implicates certain people in the murder of Stephen Smith, but that's all they said. We have no further information. So everyone is talking about, you look, this case is out front. It's in your face. There's already been two or three documentaries on this. So it seems like the average Joe walking the street knows more than law enforcement, knows more than the TV reporters that are reporting on this, especially the people that live in that neighborhood in South Carolina, who intimately know the Murdoch family and know the way things were or are, and you could say the way they were before Alec Murdoch was convicted of his wife Maggie and his son Paul's murder, and the way things are now post-conviction. Things I bet have changed a little bit. Are people still afraid to talk about the Murdochs? Or is now people now feel free because they, you know, there's a chink in the armor right now. Maybe they're not as powerful as they once were. Maybe even law enforcement. Look, for all of this to have gone down, they had to have had some friends in law enforcement too doing some of their bidding. Am I alleging corruption? I'm not alleging anything. I'm just saying for some of these things to have gone down, they have had to have had some friends on that side of the fence. So with me tonight to talk about this, I had to search the annals of law enforcement, and I've come up with two attorneys tonight to come on the show. And the first, of course, is uh, Melanie Little, who is an attorney, a mother of four, and an actress, and she's been on the show before, and she's already a fan favorite. Melanie, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. How are you today? 
Five kids. Good. Five kids. Oh, five. I can't, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. leaving one out. I feel I don't want to make that one an orphan. Melanie's a, Melanie's a mother of five. And we also have retired NYPD sergeant, professor, straight out of the Bronx, and also an attorney, Professor Mike Geary. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Hey, Bill. Good evening. Good evening, Melanie. Good to see Hi, you. Hi, Mike. Good to see you, too. And if you haven't noticed, Mike's not as excitable as me. He's more of the man of reason. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. I get a little more emotional. I know that's the, the, the Mike's Irish, too. I don't know. I got the, I got the more bombastic gene. I don't know where it was from. Anyway, Melanie, you sent me today a letter or, well, actually not a letter. It's a press release from SLED. And it was put out there by uh, SLED Chief Mark Keel. And I want you to read a bit of that to the audience because it really seems like it's trying to exonerate SLED of any responsibility to any investigative snafus that might have occurred in this case and to really be doing this, you know, pointing the finger elsewhere. And I find that curious. And I, I, it really, it doesn't make me feel very good. Yeah, there's a lot of finger pointing going on here. Let me just uh, tell the viewers what's happening. Okay, so today, March 22nd, 2023, for immediate release, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, also known as SLED, released this statement. And it is uh, released by Renee Wunderlich, who is the Director of Public Information. The, uh, the document is entitled, SLED Provides Details in Stephen Smith Homicide Investigation. Here's how it starts. In the interest of accuracy, understanding, and the continued mission of seeking justice for victims of crimes, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, SLED, is providing the following information. On July 8, 2015, the Hampton County Sheriff's Office requested SLED's crime scene unit to process a death scene involving a body that was found on Sandy Run Road in Hampton County. SLED crime scene agents were dispatched from SLED's headquarters and responded to the scene. Upon arrival, SLED crime scene agents processed the crime scene. The primary mission of SLED is to provide quality manpower and technical assistance to law enforcement agencies and to conduct investigations. SLED's crime scene unit routinely responds to requests for assistance from local law enforcement and fellow state agencies to process crime scenes across South Carolina. The involvement of SLED's crime scene unit at a scene does not automatically indicate a SLED investigation. That's important. It goes on to say, on July 8, 2015, SLED crime scene agents attended the autopsy of Stephen N. Smith, where medical examiner Dr. Aaron Presnell concluded Mr. Smith died from being struck by a motor vehicle. Due to the medical examiner's determination, the Hampton County Sheriff's Office requested the South Carolina Highway Patrol, SCHP, to investigate Mr. Smith's death. Here's where it gets interesting. SLED was not requested by the Hampton County Sheriff's Office or the South Carolina Highway Patrol to investigate Mr. Smith's death in 2015. On June 23rd, 2021, for those of you listening, this is seven years later, SLED opened an investigation into the death of Stephen Smith after SLED agents received information about his death and subsequently reviewed the SCHP investigative file. From SCHP case notes, it was apparent that the SCHP did not believe Mr. Smith's death was a hit and run by a motor vehicle. SLED's investigation into the death of Mr. Smith was never closed. It remains a homicide investigation. Progress has been made and SLED's investigation is active and ongoing. And then it closes out to say this. Since the beginning of SLED's investigation, the goal has been to find out how Mr. Smith died and find the persons responsible for his death. To that end, SLED Chief Mark Keel has assigned additional SLED low country regional agents to work this case in the hopes that those who may know what happened to Mr. Smith are more willing to speak freely now than they may have been in 2015 or 2021. And then it goes on. Very well, Melanie, very well read. Mike, I want to ask you something now. Does this seem a little strange to you? Three different investigative bodies. Uh, How was it that SLED just read the report that, that the South Carolina Highway Patrol did and they just read it in 2021. Does that make any sense whatsoever? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because as Melanie said, SLED was there at the autopsy 
uh, of Mr. Evans and Mr. Smith. And then uh, when it was determined that, according to the coroner, that it looked more like a traffic accident fatality and that there wasn't anything nefarious going on, um, SLED stepped away and um, the, uh, uh, the South Carolina Highway Patrol came in. Now, that in and of itself doesn't seem like anything uh, strange because they, you know, you would expect the highway to have highway uh, patrol to have much greater expertise when it comes to handling traffic accidents. Uh, and they would be probably the, the experts in that field. Um, so that in itself isn't kind of strange. The strange thing is um, SLED um, stepped away. The highway patrol did an did investigation, probably with the cooperation of the Hampton County Sheriff's. And then as the Murdoch name started to surface, things quieted down very quickly. Um, SLED never did anything further. They, they stepped away completely. And then it, it, weirdly, at this time in 2021, they, be, they begin then to reinvestigate. But as Melanie read that um, statement, if you just look, listen to what she said, uh, the, the words you read between the lines and you realize that SLED is trying to say that no, we never, ever closed out our part of the investigation. Um, we, you know, we're still available and we're still working on it. And oh, by the way, between 2015 and 2021, it was open. It was open. And just finding out some other information. Oh, it was an ongoing investigation anyway. We never dropped the ball. And I think that's what they're trying to do. CYA. You know, one of the things that, that really, really bothers me about this, when you follow this case and the whole Murdoch family and you read about the amount of corruption that this family and the, and the, the power they wielded in this town, it's no wonder that everyone was afraid to do the right thing. If they are, in fact, or someone in their family is in, involved in the murder of Stephen Smith, there was some Mr. Fixits with the local law enforcement that were there to make things look the way the Murdoch family wanted it to look. That's disturbing. Why right now is there no outside body? Maybe there is investigating the Murdoch law firm. Just, you know, Melanie, when we saw the case with that banker where uh, Alec and the banker stole a million dollars from the paralyzed kid that was paralyzed in that accident. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I cannot believe this stuff. It was like stealing candy from a baby, but much worse. Yeah. I mean, talk about a tank. Here we go again with the tangled web, but there's so many players in this that it's just incredible. Um, you know, what I find also so interesting about this press release is that in paragraph two, in paragraph three, there are small paragraphs, they are calling it a crime scene. Okay. So is it a crime scene or is it an accident scene? You say you processed the crime scene and then you didn't do anything about it until 2021 because you agreed with the medical examiner that it's a car accident. But if you process the crime scene, you saw no evidence of a car accident. There was no debris. There was no, you know, we've talked about this before, no glass, no skid marks, no car parts, no, um, nothing to indicate a car accident in your crime scene investigation. So why were you so quick to pawn it off onto the highway patrol? And agree that it was a car accident. Which one is it? Can't have both ways, right? No. And, you know, Melanie, this is the first time. And, you know, people keep saying eight years. It's not quite eight years. July will be eight Almost, years. Yeah. But people are saying eight years. Anyway, this is the first time they're referring to this as a homicide investigation. Right. That makes, that really bothers me. Like, oh, so all of a sudden, all of you guys now grew a pair. You know, you grew a pair because the big bad Murdoch family may be out of the picture right now with the power that they wielded against everybody. Now we're going to call this a homicide and really investigate it. Well, that's what should have been done from the very beginning. Mike. Yeah, Billy, you, the spell probably has been broken somewhat. And so therefore they can pound their chest and say, yeah, we are independent and we can, we're going to take this on. That's easy when the other person, you know, is, is dead in their grave. But while the Murdochs were operating in power over the last 20 years, uh, there was probably, tr probably, I would imagine, uh, some level of, of corruption that they controlled and they pulled a lot of strings. They did it on the local level in the Hampton County uh, 
with the Camden County Sheriff's. And I'm sure even though SLED is a state agency and much greater jurisdiction, I'm sure they did have friends in all the right places. And so now to sit there and say, okay, uh, this is a homicide investigation. We believe this is probably either perhaps reckless manslaughter, like vehicular manslaughter, or an outright murder, which would indicate possibly, in, in, you know, a uh, getting run over, which doesn't seem from the forensic evidence to be that, or a beatdown where the person ended up falling out of a car or was left on the side of the road, staggered into the road and fell. Uh, it's about time they got to this point, but it is it is shocking that it has taken so long. And probably there is no coincidence here with SLEDs um, doing this at this time. And especially with uh, Ms. Smith, Mrs. Smith, um, you know, raising all this money uh, for an independent autopsy, an exhumation, independent autopsy and a fresh pair of eyes. They are probably see it's probably nothing more than CYA. 100%. You know, Melanie, I know a lot of us watched Cuomo last night because the, the attorney um, for Sandy uh, Smith was on, and um, that's Eric Bland. And he, this is the first time I've heard someone come out with this. They said, Cuomo asked him, what do you think this, this is? And he goes, I believe it was a hate crime. Boom. Wow. All of a sudden, almost we're almost eight years into this. And this attorney now from this town, he, oh, by the way, folks that are listening, he represented Gloria Satterfield. Yes. That and case some was- other, I think some other victims of Murdoch too, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, look, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? All of a sudden, uh, Sandy Smith is out there. She raised over $70,000 on GoFundMe for a private exhumation of her son's body and a private investigation into uh, the cause of his death because she was very vocal about the fact that she felt that there was something being covered up here. And, but for her tenacity, I don't think that they would have made this statement today. No, I think you're right. The other thing, the uh, total and impropriety, and you and Mike can talk to this more than I can, is the fact that Randy Murdoch showed up at the accident, well, the now homicide scene almost eight years ago, what was he doing there? And we compared it to an ambulance chaser. And uh, I think Eric Bland said, oh, the Murdochs are not ambulance chasers. Yeah, they're Brinks truck chasers, you know, because they go after much more money than is available in an ambulance. But, you know, how he cannot, what is he doing? Showing up at the scene, which was then ruled a vehicle accident. And then he reached out to Sandy Smith, and somehow he took Stephen Smith's cell phone. This corruption is beyond. First of all, the police on the scene should have grabbed that cell phone, not some attorney. That, that, to me, this is like beyond corruption. It is beyond what we've seen anywhere. There should be, you know, some outside investigation going on of the Murdoch law firm and this incident too. There's these three or four police or uh investigative bodies cannot investigate each other because right now they're all like this. They're all pointing the finger at different people. They may need like, you know, an FBI investigation on this. And I, I hesitate to say that because we've seen the FBI investigating some things recently and it didn't look good. So, but this, you need some independent body to investigate this because everywhere you look, there's more corruption in this. You know, uh, people have said that Alex, Alec, and Randy were at the scene of the accident before police even got there. So you're asking, how did they get there? Either they got a phone call and a tip off and somebody told them that this was happening from, I don't know, somebody in law enforcement that, you know, is on their team, or maybe they have a police scanner, or maybe one of their family members called them to come to the scene, or maybe they had independent knowledge of this happening. Okay. But there are a lot of people in the chat who were saying, well, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for them to show up because, you know, it's an accident case and they're accident lawyers. So they would just come in, you know, to get the case. That is so unethical, you guys. Okay. I told you that number one, most unethical thing is stealing money from clients. Number two is soliciting clients. 
That's Check. Like so so up. far he's done. So far he's done A and B. Oh, not that we can. I mean, we know where their ethics are in this uh, the, as lawyers. These two, but the fact that they're there before anybody else, red flags all over the place. You I know, mean, Melanie. Another thing is that, like as you said, which is the biggest possibility is maybe someone in their family was involved in this and called the fixers up. It's Get like Ray to the Donovan. scene. I need calling Ray Donovan to come down and clean it up, you know, or Olivia Pope from Scandal. Like they had their own internal crisis intervention team. Let's call it. Yes, absolutely. But let me know. let me play a little bit of this, guys. We'll see from the TV's point of view. Buster Murdoch's uh, his. Of course, notorious father, uh, Alec, just convicted for the murders of his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. He's serving two life sentences. We followed the case closely. So we have to point out there's no evidence. There's no actual evidence that we know of connecting any Murdoch family member to Smith's death. Investigators say Alec Murdoch and his brother came to the scene uh, for unknown reasons, though uh, the point has been brought up that they are lawyers who deal with a lot of auto injury claims. Uh, and this was presumed to be a hit and run until now. Buster Murdoch denies having any involvement in Smith's death, despite so many rumors. Smith's mother says she thinks Stephen was beaten to death. Why and by whom? That I don't know. That's what I need answers for. Counselor Bland, is there any working theory? Um, I think it was a hate crime. I think, you know, Stephen was a very courageous young man to live an openly gay lifestyle in the low country of South Carolina in 2015. Let's bring in Bernada Villalona, a seasoned criminal defense attorney and former senior homicide prosecutor in New York. I know you've been following the Murdoch case, as so many Americans have, and then you think it's over with Alec being sentenced to prison. But now this case, questions have been swirling for many, many years. How did the state come to the conclusion to reopen this case? So this is a huge game change of the classification of Stephen Smith's death. So you have to think, unless the case is classified as a homicide, there is no law enforcement investigation. There is no follow-up. There is no inclination in the sense of the prosecution uh, being involved in this or people following up. So you have to think, in terms of this case now being classified as a homicide, Something must have come up during the investigation having to deal with Alex Murdoch and killing the wife and his son. Because according to law enforcement is that based on that investigation, some information came up having to deal with the death of Stephen Smith. We don't know what it is, but what we do mm. know, the game changer is that his death is ruled a homicide. And now law enforcement will be involved in investigating to find out who is responsible for killings? What did they find at this scene, which it was the scene of the homicide? It when when that murder went down, they said we found that day. I think it was we found some evidence that shed some light on the 2015 murder of Stephen Smith. What might it be, Mike? Originally, I tell you, Billy, originally I thought maybe that they had gotten the phones from, uh, from um, you know, Alex and his mom, Maggie, and they started to go through it. And maybe they got a dump of information from the uh, uh, like Verizon or whoever there does their cell phone service. And maybe there was text messages and things like that implicating, um, you know, um, their, their son in Buster in, in this sort of action. Um, but if they did it very quickly and to get a cell phone dump of all that information is going to take, as you know, it's going to take between one and two months. So I'm not sure what it could be. I doubt they would be sloppy enough to keep uh, any sort of papers around with a lot of information on it. You would think that they'd burn that sort of stuff um, and not keep it around. At this point, I wish I had a better answer than that. I thought it was electronic and I was ready to bet my paycheck on it, but now I'm not so sure. Are you talking about your police off the cuff paycheck or your Albertus Magnus paycheck? <laughs> I'm talking about that, that magnificent check I get. <laughs> Melody, what's your thoughts? Uh, my initial thought too was that it was electronic evidence because we know that it took them a year to unlock Paul's phone. So Paul's phone was not unlocked until 
summer 2022. So if they found this evidence right in June of 21, which is, I believe, when they found it, right, mm -hmm. it had to have come from Maggie's phone. Alec was giving up his phone that night, like, oh, check my, you can see where I was. He was very free to give up his phone. Or maybe from a laptop or a computer, or maybe they found a weapon. Well, possibly, but like, that, that. But remember they said the initial person who arrived on the scene thought, the coroner, thought it was a gunshot wound yes. to the head. What if somebody took a bullet, because they never found any shell casings or any bullets, pop, put it in their pocket? I don't know. I don't know. But they found something in June of 2021 that made them reopen this case. And it's been, it's 18 months now, and they still haven't said what it is. Absolutely. Solving Stephen Smith, who uh, was just in the news yesterday as we talked about Buster Murdoch releasing a statement on him. Well, this is from the family attorneys for Stephen Smith's family, Bland Richter. It says they are proud to announce that after an extraordinary disclosure phone call with Sled Chief Mark Keel, that the death of Stephen Smith is now considered a homicide, a shocking announcement after eight years of being proclaimed a highway vehicular manslaughter. Uh, so this news just coming in, of course, this comes after yesterday, we received a statement from Buster Murdoch, the only surviving son in the Murdoch family, saying that he has nothing to do with Stephen Smith's death. Now, in 2015, Stephen Smith was killed in what police had initially described as a hit and run just miles from the Murdoch's hunting property called Moselle where Alec Murdoch fatally shot his wife, Maggie, and his youngest son, Paul, in the summer of 2021. And yesterday we heard from uh, the attorneys, as we try to pull up this video again here, uh, the attorneys talking about uh, this, this update from the family, saying that they didn't believe that the initial cause of death was accurate based on the uh, evidence that they had. They would believe that there's more to the story. So they had said that they are asking for his body to be exhumed from the court and they would like to also conduct a new autopsy. So this update now coming in from the attorney's office saying that they are now considering this, they being sled, now considering Stephen Smith's death a homicide. So a huge announce announcement eight years after this was proclaimed highway vehicular manslaughter. Can't, I mean, a highway vehicular manslaughter is also a homicide. Homicide simply means death caused by another, right? So vehicular manslaughter couldn't be a homicide. So I don't think they classified it as anything. It was an open investigation. They didn't know what the hell it was. It was an accident. So all of a sudden, they're so convinced now that this is a homicide. And the, the attorneys for um, uh, Stephen Smith, his mom, um, they uh, in this report, they said, oh, they received information from SLED that now they know it's a homicide. And they told them why SLED thinks that. The attorneys on every TV show said they have no idea, you know. So I know they're not going to give up what they were told by SLED, which is understandable. But it seems like maybe they do know why and the direction that the investigation is going right now. Mike? Yeah, I think they do. I think the attorneys were told, uh, you know, uh, we don't, you know, SLED in, in many ways does not want to be embarrassed by this. They do want to re recover any kind of reputation. They want to see why a as much as they possibly can. That attorney was probably told in, in probably no uncertain terms that, you know, we are going to work with you and we do have this information, you know, keep it confidential. But uh, we are on your side now. You know, that sort of thing. We are not going to sit there and, and uh, you don't you know, you're not going to have to sue us to get our records. We're going to be working on this case. There might be a FOIL request, FOIA, F-O-I-A or F-O-I-L later on. But um, uh, the uh, SLED wants to let everybody know. They're on the side of the underdog in this case. Um, and perhaps in their own files, there is some information that, you know, links uh, where, where uh, Buster Murdoch's name came up. Now, it might have come up in rumors and, you know, in the innuendo, but it came up. And it came up probably enough to the point of making sled detectives at that time in 2015, 
Remember, this was uh, before the car House of Cards came crashing down with the uh, first um, uh, uh, 2019 um, uh, boating accident. So it came up enough times to make them very uncomfortable where they kind of stepped away. And they knew if they stepped away that who was going to continue on with whatever investigation it was, whether it was an automobile accident investigation, were the local cops. And they were going to make sure that there was not going to be any uh, person in the Murdoch family really brought into this in any substantive way besides maybe rumors. So they had they they walked a they walked a political power tightrope. And now they're sitting there trying to say that, oh, you know, we, we were on your side the entire time. You didn't know it, but we were there. We were, we were behind you. We had this thing open. We never gave up, you know, and and I don't think anyone in the Smith family believes that at all, especially Mr. Bland. He does not believe that at all. He knows what's going on down that part of South Carolina. He's been he's lived there for many, many years. He practices down there. He knows what time of day it is down there. You know, Melanie, one of my favorite expressions, and I totally did not invent this. It's a, it's a, a good indication of future behavior is past behavior. And it's so damn true. It makes so much sense. And mm -hmm. when you try to explain to people, oh, well, how come when this guy was arrested, all they did was talk about his 22 prior arrests? Because maybe his past behavior had something to do with what he just did yesterday. You know, right. And right. I think it makes so much sense. So we can apply that to Alec Murdoch. And when I think of his response to the boating accident, it was it was filthy, filthy, disgustingly dirty and the most corrupt thing you could possibly do. And he was not there alone. Uh, Randolph Murdoch, the father, was there with him. And they were doing damage control and trying to point the fingers. They were actually trying to blame the operation of that boat onto another person, Connor Cook. They were trying to tell his father, and Alec Murdoch's a smooth operator. Oh, don't worry about it. I got your son. I got his back. I'm going to represent him. Just don't tell him not to talk to anybody. It looks like he was operating the boat. And I don't know if he even closely had Connor Cook's father convinced, but that's the dirty shenanigans that were going on behind the scenes. So in this 2015 case, when uh, was it Randy Murdoch goes to the scene and there was some other reports that Alec was also at the scene. What the hell were they doing there? Cleaning up. Listen, right. uh, you know, Stephen has a twin sister and she has stated publicly that she he told her that he was uh, seeing a prominent man. And I think she said he's an older man. So listen, we're all pointing the finger at Buster here. Maybe it was Randy. Maybe it was Alec. Maybe it was Paul. Okay, because Paul had a history of reckless, violent behavior. You know, if you want to talk about like vicious propensities or violent propensities of a person, what we've seen from Paul and his uh, things that happened after 2015 show a lot of impulsive behavior, violence, um, disregard for other people. So it may not be Buster, but it's probably somebody within the family. That's my guess. You know, Melanie, I my prediction is, and uh, I don't always make predictions, but it was a carload of drunken kids, you know, that may or may not have known Stephen, but they, oh, there's that gay kid, you know, and, and they chased him down and one of them struck him with a blunt object. And that's what, if you see the picture of him lying in the road, it's like he was placed there. No, no car did that. But yet it took us almost eight years to find out that that's not what wasn't caused by a car. This is not a vehicular manslaughter. This is a murder. You know, and why did it take over, you know, close to eight years? And I, I also find it a little bit curious that all of a sudden everyone's saying, yes, it was a homicide. Oh, oh. Now that the wolf is gone, you've decided to come out of the cave, you know, and, and proclaim that this now is, is a homicide even though that's what it appeared to be day one. You guys are shaking Alec, your heads. To <laughs> but for Alec Murdoch committing these murders, it never would have been reopened, right? That's right. That's right. That's for sure. You know, guys, I'm going to go to a quick commercial, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the exhumation 
and where do we go from here in the investigation? Folks, if you're looking for a police point of view in a podcast, a real crime story, true crime stories, then you're in the right place. Police off the cuff. We give you our opinions from a police perspective. Where most of our guests and myself, the host, my co-host, Phil Grimaldi, Mike Geary, we have over 20, 20 20-something years, myself 27, uh, Mike Geary 20, and Phil Grimaldi, I think, believe he had 21. So we have a wealth of experience, a wealth of investigative experience. So again, if you like true crime from a police perspective, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. We also have a Patreon with three different levels if you want to support us financially. And we have a YouTube channel with, count them, five different levels. And you see the folks, our fans, our subscribers, and our friends in our YouTube channel. You see all the folks with the green font. They're part of the YouTube family. I want to get back to it right now. Now, Melody, it's decided, and I'm not sure what this is going to wield evidence-wise. But they're going, it looks like they're going to exhume the body. I don't know if a judge signed off on it yet, but they're looking to do that. What do you expect them to find out with a new pathologist, a, new, a fresh look at the, uh, the evidence? What do, you, do, you, do you expect anything new to come out of this? I expect that they're going to hire Dr. Michael Bodden to investigate this. That would be my guess. He's a famous forensic pathologist who has uh, testified in the OJ case. He testified with regard to the Jeffrey Epstein independent autopsy. He Phil Spector, George Floyd. I mean, this guy is like a, you know, he's a very famous pathologist. And even uh, the attorney was on TV today saying, we're still going to take this money. And we're going to use this money. It's not going to the mom. It's 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 going to because I think maybe the state is now going to pay for the exhumation. So they're going to use the money for their expert witnesses, and expert witnesses cost a lot of money. So that's my guess. I don't know what they're going to find because I think that sled came out and said we didn't need an exhumation of the body to reopen this and to tell you that it was definitely a murder. So who knows what they'll find? But I'm sure they're going to hire some uh, pretty impressive guns to to find it mike what do you think yeah i think that what they're going to be looking for in terms of the actual the, what's left of the body is the bone structures there the skull's going to be there you know the, the skin and everything is deteriorated but uh they they know that this kid was found in the middle of the road with a uh you know a nasty uh a maybe some sort of like fracture on on his on his skull you know the the skin was open and things like that and it was a dislocated shoulder and maybe some other other things. You're not going to get that. I hate to say the word little, but you're not going to get that little bit of um, damage from a from a truck or a car whacking you driving down the road late at night. Um, so I think if they do the examination and they find out that they didn't miss anything else in terms of broken bones and damage to the skeleton, which you would expect to find. In, in a hit and run, you'd expect to find ribs broken, uh, kneecaps maybe broken, uh, maybe foot run over or uh, elbows broken when the, when the body is land, if body's flipped over the car, lands on the ground. You're going to see a lot more physical damage. So I think the, the best thing I can see from my point of view is um, seeing if uh, if there's if they didn't if they missed anything in terms of other breaks on the body. If they don't find anything more, then I think absolutely shut the case on this being ever considered anymore for any for any purpose whatsoever as a car accident if they redo it they do a full perhaps uh x-ray of the entire body uh from toe, head to toe and they find more breaks that they never thought was was uh, uh there before then may perhaps it was a tractor trailer but i'm thinking they're going to get a lot of information just by looking at the uh at the bones of the body and seeing what condition they're in you know, Mark, uh, Mike and uh, Melanie, we always think about when, as investigators, what is most likely, what most likely occurred. And you would think if someone, and let's let's say his car broke down, we don't know if he ran out of gas, whatever reason, he left his car, he left his wallet in his car, and he began to walk. Why would someone walk in the middle of the road? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Most people would walk along the grass because 
first of all, that looked like a dark country road. There probably was little or almost no light uh, to be had. So the only way you could be safe would be to walk in the grass, not on the road where cars, even though it's not a heavily traveled road, they may pass by every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes. So the only thing that really makes a lot of sense is that he was chased into the middle of the road by someone or a bunch of fellas in a car that chased him down and someone hit him with a blunt force object. And that, you know, if he was hit with a car mirror, which was, that's what the pathologist thought, that would break the mirror. You know, there would be uh, glass all over the place and signs of a vehicular uh, accident. The other thing everyone keeps talking about is if a car hits you, usually it knocks you right out of your shoes. And not every time, but that, that frequently occurs. So this has all the signs of, of not being a vehicular accident. Yet, they, it doesn't seem when they first investigated this that the investigators got together, all of them that had different points of view, and sat down with the pathologist and said, no, th this is what we think happened. That seems like it never happened. All of a sudden, oh, my God, eight years later, now it's so clear to us. Something's wrong there. Here's something Melanie. else that always bothered me, too. Um, the story is he ran out of gas. His gas cap is open and hanging, you know, the, the cover of the gas tank, right? Right. When you run out of gas, usually you know you're going to run out of gas, right? You have a gas gauge. Do you open your gas tank to check and see if you ran out of gas? Or is that maybe something somebody would do to stage it to make it look like you ran out of gas? And if he ran out of gas, why did he leave his wallet in the car? His wallet was left in the car. His cell phone was in his pocket when he was found three miles away from where his car had run out of gas. His cell phone was undamaged. You can bet that if he was hit by a car and he went flying, there would have been an impact to the phone in his pocket. The phone would have been shattered. A lot of things are starting to look like a real, you know, like it was set up to look the way it was. Melanie, you're very perceptive. I guess that's yeah, why you're a good attorney. Detective. <laughs> detective Melanie, attorney <laughs> Melanie. But yeah, you're right. And you know what also <clears throat> would or should have been a treasure trove of information is what you just spoke about, his cell phone. Where is his cell phone now? And can we even retrieve anything? I don't think we can retrieve anything relative to cell site information unless it was done back then. There's no way you could retrieve it now. But why wouldn't it have been done back then if it wasn't? I have questions about that, too. Mike? I think uh, Melanie hit it right on the head. You know, it was one of those things where it was more convenient politically and legally for everyone to just consider it. Uh, it was a tragic accident and to go no further. And the cell phone disappearing, you know, records being missing, uh, having it look like it's staged, perhaps. Um, you know, that was allowed to happen because it was a convenient way to just quietly drop the case. SLED could drop it because it might have made them uncomfortable back in 2015 when they started coming up with the name Buster. And uh, so they, they kind of got stepped away from it. Uh, and you know what? Um, the Highway Patrol and the Hampton County uh, PD, um, which has the most knowledge of the local area because that is their particular county, um, they too just decided it was probably more convenient for everyone concerned not to dig up dirt on someone who's very powerful, not to, um, you know, uh, subpoena, uh, the son of a very prominent family member to, to come in. Uh, you know, if he was going to come into a police investigation into a vehicle homicide, he would have brought an attorney with him anyway. He would not have probably answered a single question anyway. So they probably just saw it as a way to just, you know, just let it go. Just let it go. And and who's Stephen Smith and who's his family? They're not powerful people. They don't have judges and lawyers. They don't have family members that are, um, you know, attorneys and uh, elected officials. They're just a, a normal family. They're, like everyone else, they don't have the political power or the resources to, uh, you know, knock on doors and get people's attention. 
So I think it was a, a matter of convenience. Just let it go. You know, Mike, that's sort of sad when you think um, Sandy Smith, the mom of Stephen Smith, probably doesn't have much money. You know, she was voiceless. But all of a sudden, because this is in the public eye and it's on every national TV news station every single night, isn't it sort of sad that that's what pushes the envelope to make the investigation move forward, Melanie? So sad. So sad. Yeah. And that, you know, because of the notoriety of this, look at how much money they raised in such a short period of time. Yeah. I think she was only looking to raise fifteen to 20000 and in a day or a day and a half, they raised 70000 And uh, at least the lawyers are smiling now because now they know they'll get paid. They, I, I don't know if they took this pro bono or whatever on I whatever they basis. Said they, they did, yeah. Yeah, so now they know they'll 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 get paid a few dollars for this. So I'm sure they're happy. Back in 2015, and his death was initially ruled as a hit and run. There was no vehicle debris, no skid marks on the roadway, or any injuries consistent with him being actually hit by a vehicle. Many people were led to believe that something more nefarious happened to young Stephen Smith that day. Now. Eight years after he was killed, Stephen Smith's death has been officially characterized as a murder. Litigation firm Bland and Richter, who represents Stephen Smith's family, posted this major update to their Twitter account and to their website, saying, quote, breaking news, SLED considers Stephen Smith's death a homicide. We're committed to finding out what really happened and getting the peace and justice the Smith family deserves. Now, this update comes just days after Buster Murdoch addressed the rumors and the speculation being told in docu-series and articles claiming that he was involved with Stephen Smith in a sexual romantic relationship and that he could potentially have had something to do with his death. All rumors, of course, all speculation. Well, Buster spoke out and responded in part saying, quote, this has gone on far too long. These baseless rumors of my involvement with Stephen and his death are false. The statement goes on to further deny any involvement in Stephen's death and ask the media to stop publishing rumors about him. Now, I want to be clear here. Buster has never been officially named a suspect. He has never been charged in the case. And according to Stephen Smith's mom, the Murdochs have been heavily involved in the case since the beginning. Take a listen to some of what she told us. His body from the road, and that was about 9.30, um, I seen me and my daughter and my son, Chris, seen Alex and Randy Murdoch at the scene. When Joel was at the sheriff's department, him and Stephanie were at the sheriff's department. I was on the phone with Joel and Rand, uh, Joel said, hold on, Randy Murdoch's calling. And so he said, um, he said, that was strange. And I said, what was it? He said, Randy Murdoch called and wants to uh, help with Stephen's investigation. I want to bring in now a very special guest. He's joining us from Columbia, South Carolina, where he practices law. He is the attorney representing the family of Stephen Smith, Eric Bland, back on the show. Eric, very good to see you. And uh, first question, just how are you doing? You're recovering from a surgery. Uh, for those who may not have seen, I know you've made some posts on Twitter. I don't think we need to hear about his surgery. <laughs> it's, not, it's not too important to us. But... There you have it. You know, it's like all the things that we mentioned earlier, and Melanie, you mentioned about what were the Murdochs doing at the scene of this alleged vehicular accident? And, you know, we had said it sounds like they're ambulance chasers. And, you know, uh, I think Mr. Bland said, oh, the Murdoch law firm are not ambulance chasers. They're a highly prestigious. Yeah, but they're, they're dirty and they're corrupt. So let's stop with the praising them. Yeah, they make a lot of money. The law firm makes a lot of money. But we found out they are corrupt as hell, you know? So let's call a spade a spade and stop tiptoeing around because, you know, I know you have to work in that town still even after this, but let's stop tiptoeing around. They are corrupt. It's a corrupt law firm. 
Is anyone going to comment? They were there to collect evidence that could incriminate them or their family. That's why they were there. Like, yeah, call a spade a spade. That's exactly what they were doing there. They did that when Paul flipped the truck with the boat that he was trailing. When his girlfriend called 911, the parents came to the scene, started collecting all the empty beer cans and vodka bottles and yelled at her. Why'd you call 911? Like, we have a cleanup team for this. Yeah, that's right. They do. You know, Melody, we spoke about it off the air. We said, you know, in the police department, they used to have this uh, tow trucks that would race. I mean, race at speeds like you would not believe to go to accident scenes. And they had to actually make it that if they did that years later, they would get a summons for showing up at the scene of a vehicular accident uncalled for. You remember that, right, Mike? Oh, yeah. That's the start of the rotation tow program back in the 80s. Yeah. That's right. Those guys were great. They used to fly. They'd get to the accident scenes before you did. Sometimes That's you'd right. get there and the cars would be already up on, on the hook and they're going. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, I guess there's no accident anymore. <laughs> they were like high-speed vultures. They were crazy. Yeah. And that's what the Murdochs remind me of, high-speed yes. vultures I mean, going just, to accidents. Just think of it. Just think of it. They're attorneys. Okay. They're highly educated, highly skilled in their particular field. They are not crime scene investigators. They're not homicide investigators. What the heck are they doing offering the services of their law firm to help the police investigate a possible hit and run crime scene or some sort of other nefarious activity? What on earth would they be able to give to the highway technicians who do this for a living? What they're trying to do is manipulate the investigation, like they try to manipulate the boating accident. And uh, that's what they're doing. And anybody thought, if anybody could ever possibly think that the Murdoch's, out of the goodness of their heart, were just trying to loan their support to the Smith family, you know, for altruistic purposes, then, you know, you believe in the Easter Bunny. You know, because absolutely not. They were trying to, they knew that maybe they got a phone call and they knew they should get down there and try to um, start to push things in a certain direction. And maybe they have a lot of friends on that Ham- on that Hampton County uh, department and maybe even the highway patrol and to suggest things. And possibly, like Melanie said, they got the cell phone. How do you allow a person to pick up a cell phone at, at a crime scene? That, who's right, not that, a- that, that belongs in the hands of the police. Right, right. Not in the hands of a, an attorney who's a tow truck chaser. Right, <laughs> right. or even a right. family member. Not even Mrs. Smith is supposed to touch that. Yeah. Absolutely not. Those two are not getting out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, for, for, for a case. Right. They're just right. not. Because, first of all, they don't even know if it's a case. It's a hit and run. Where's the insurance? I mean, it's not a case. Right. And they don't the have fact to that they're there. telling, they're telling uh, Mrs. Smith, oh, we'll take your case for free. Well, th- they work on contingency. It's always free. You don't pay these guys by the hour. So what was that? Right. You know, some sort of enticement. Right. The whole thing made no sense. Right. Exactly. She's Melanie's right. Well, it's like you said, Melanie, they, there's ethically, you don't go solicit work at the scene of an accident. No. It's just like you don't walk into a police precinct and see if you could represent the people in the cells. You know, that's just <laughs> right, not, right. It's, it's just yeah. not done. You, or, know, you know, imagine. Pers- yeah. Imagine that was allowed. Yeah, they sit in the hospital cafeteria, you know, waiting for accident victims to come in and hand out cards. I mean, you know. I remember this attorney, uh, someone let him walk up into the 3-2 squad. I was so annoyed. And he goes, I represent so-and-so. And And he goes, and I also represent him. I go, what's his name? Uh, I don't know. I go, then you don't represent (laughs) You don't even know who your client is. And I threw down up in the 3-2 squad. I was so pissed that someone let him walk up into the squad, you know. Because now all of a sudden, oh, I can't talk to my client. You know, did we invite you up here to talk to your client? Like, it was unbelievable. But uh, this is, you know, people are questioning even in the chat. Oh, how were they allowed on, on, on the crime scene? Good question, right? In most areas, you would never allow attorneys to walk into a crime scene. But the Murdochs ran this town. So you think the police were going to question them? Oh, Alec. Oh, Randy, what are you doing here? They're not going to question them because, first of all, a lot of them are friends with them, you know. So, yeah, this is this is dirty, ugly, corrupt stuff we're seeing here. 
but no one challenged him. And we started the show off with this letter from Sled, and I find it, I don't know, I just don't like the whole tone of that letter. And it just sounds like Sled, which stands for the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, which I think is almost like the state attorney general's office. It's a state unit. They're trying to absolve themselves from any um, any nefarious doings in connection with this case and really start pointing fingers the other way. And just it really struck me how all of a sudden, voila, it's a homicide as of today, as of March 22nd, 2023, we wave our magic wand and it's a homicide. Really? And what was it before that? I didn't even hear them categorize it before this. There was no category. No one said it's a vehicular uh, accident or vehicular. It wasn't classified, period. Now, all of a sudden, all the press and all the, the, the of course, the family now wanting to exhume the body. Now they rule. Yes, it's a homicide. Anyone else find that suspicious? It's amazing what public outcry can do, right? Right. You know, Melody, we always talk about that the power of the press is unbelievable. You know, whether they're right or whether they're wrong, they have that power. Television, the media, even what we do, there's a lot of power behind this. And what you say, people listen to it. And sometimes the press can be wrong. Sometimes they could be right, but they shine a light on it. And there's something to be said about that. Professor Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the press could be a cop's best friend. It could be your worst enemy. Uh, sometimes because of their demands, I've seen them at crime scenes I've been at. And then I'll read about it in the paper the next day. And I'm like, I was there last night for like four hours. And what they're describing in this newspaper this morning is actually totally inaccurate. It's like, like were they at the same crime scene I was at? Uh, right. You know, but they do serve a wonderful purpose. And if, if any sort of pressure from the media uh uh, does a good deed and Mrs. Smith does get justice, wherever that justice leads, whether it leads to some satisfactory conclusion for her where it involves Buster or not, if it leads to a, a, at least a complete uh, um, investigation as could be had at this late date um, and there is some sort of closure that she knows that the, the police actually did an investigation and did a competent one um, then they're then they've done a great service for the public, and that's what we need. So as you know, Melanie said, yeah, that 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 public pressure, that, that public outcry, um, that's that's needed and that's useful, and that can get politicians and other people off their butts. And there is always a connection between police and political power. And so maybe they their sled was feeling the heat, and maybe this is a direct result of the of the, of the outcry finally heard uh, from on Mrs. Smith's behalf. You know, Mike, I always say that the P in policing stands for politics. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, yeah. there is no separation between policing and politics. It smacks it right in the face. Melanie, I know that you have to leave on the hour. So I want to yeah. give you your last comments and then we'll let you go. Uh, thank yeah. you so much for being oh, on the show tonight. As usual, you are fantastic. Thank you. I think that this whole um, case is really shining a light on the low country of South Carolina and the fact that this family or crime syndicate, as we've been calling it, has ruled five counties in southern South Carolina for 100 years. You know, I'm just I'm curious to see how many other cold cases are going to pop up that maybe can be connected to this whole syndicate, because I bet you there's a lot of them. Um, we didn't even get you get into that whole uh, Lindsay Edwards uh, interview, but if you believe no. what she said, it really runs deep and uh, high up into the ranks. So uh, maybe that's a Absolutely. show for another day. Well, thank you, Melanie, and uh, it was a guys. pleasure having you on. We'll see you soon. Good night. Good night. Good okay. night. Now, Mike, I, while we have a couple more minutes uh, on the air, if you are an investigator on this case right now, what are your hopes? What are your fears and where do you think the best chance is to find out the truth? Is it in the scientific evidence or is it in the interview and interrogation of, of potential witnesses? I think that um, it's, it's going to be 50-50. I think partly right now the, the best thing that you can do is get a hold of that body, do another examination, 
look at the bone structure, see if the, how many breaks there are. If there's just a few breaks, as been, has been described, then you know something something is rotten. If there is breaks all over the body, so it looks like it was actually perhaps a car, a car or a truck, then that takes you in a different direction. But I think that's the first thing that's the most important. As an investigator, I want to know that before I do anything further. Uh, secondly, I want to speak to Buster. I want to get him in there into it, into, as uh, Phil says, I love this expression. I want to get him in the box. All right. Maybe he's going to lawyer up, but I want to get him in the box. I want to put a lot of pressure on him. I want to, I want a real fair run at the guy and I want to go hard and I want to, I want to throw a lot of things at him and I want as much information as I can in my pocket. And I want to know all the answers to all the questions I ask before I even ask him so that I know if he even speaks, is, is he being invasive? So I want to get him in the box, but first I want to see the autopsy results. I want to go back and do a lot of re-interviewing just to uh, shore up some facts. And then I want to go after him in, in, in that order and see, see where it takes us. And if uh, it takes us to an unsatisfactory uh, um, uh, result where maybe Buster is cleared, then you live with that. But if not, um, you do the best you can. Um, and, you know, giving Buster um, uh, some, you know, some of the doubt. He's, he's innocent until proven guilty. He hasn't been convicted of anything. He hasn't been formally accused of anything. But I want to, I want to run at him if I can get a little bit of information and I could shore up and see if those rumors regarding him, see if there's any substance to them whatsoever. If I can get a little bit of not rumors, but some real, uh, some sort of other uh, circumstantial evidence, I want that. And then I want to go after him. Absolutely. Mike, I just want to go quick to a, um, to a commercial folks. If you're looking for a great attorney in the New York city metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe's a retired NYPD police officer and a fantastic defense attorney. You can reach Joe on his cell at 718-514-3855. His email is joe at jmurray-law.com. His website is jmurray-law.com. Joe is a huge, huge supporter of Police Off the Cuff. He was a frequent guest until this commercial made him so busy. He has no time anymore to come on the show. Uh, I'm just kidding with that. But I think I think he's uh, he's getting a lot of work these days. So he's uh, he hasn't been able to come back on the show. Kim Alliston, hi, guys. You are new to Police Off the Cuff. Just want to let you know that it's free to subscribe. Ring that bell. Highly recommend. I've been following for one year now. Very professional. Kim Allison is one of our moderators. Kim, thank you so much. I wanted to shine a light on you for all you do for this show. We really appreciate it. You know, Mike, my um, biggest thing on this case right now is I think that SLED knows a lot. And I think that's where the investigation has to be picked up. And what anyone who's called in information, whether it's verified, unverified, you have to shake the tree. That's an old police department expression. Shake that tree. Someone knows what happened here. People talk. And perhaps we can get the truth out. And, you know, people say, I've read people in the chat, say, oh, leave the Murdoch family alone. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, we're not going to leave them alone. They've been getting away with crimes for 100 years now. They're the target of this investigation. And if you can't understand that, then you don't understand policing or investigation or crime, you know. And that's just the way it is. Mike, final thoughts, Mike. Final thoughts. Um, if anybody thinks that, uh, you know, Buster Murdoch is being treated unfairly, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that may feel this way, like uh, the police are suddenly piling on or commentators are suddenly piling on. Um, I think that you have to look at it, take a step back, look at it in context. Uh, his name was mentioned numerous times in an investigation into a, into a possible vehicular homicide of Stephen Smith, who people know he, they, that they, you know, objectively know, <clears throat> excuse me, that they had a relationship to some extent, whether it was a friendship or anything further, you know, a friendship, platonic friendship, just as buddies or something further. Uh, take a step back and look in, uh, in, in, in perspective. This family has gotten away with so many uh, things that they've done, nefarious deeds that they've done, you know, uh, uh, manipulating the local police for many years. Um, take a step back and say, okay, 
Um, Buster is not being singled out for no reason. He's being investigated because there is some sort at this point, some stage, preliminary credible evidence that would link him to a, to a homicide and perhaps a hate crime. So he's not getting picked on for no reason. The police are looking at him because they have darn good reason to look at him. And if you were in the Smith family and God bless them because Mrs. Smith has suffered with this for seven years, eight years now, almost eight years. Uh, she needs, she get she deserved justice just like everyone else. So I hope she does finally get justice, whatever that is. Very good monologue, Mike. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Folks, thank you so much for listening tonight. Duty Ron is on. He's got great guest, Barbara Butcher. He has the gentleman from the body farm. They're going to talk about the uh the exhumation of Stephen Smith's body, the, the re-autopsy, and they're going to talk about what they expect to find evidence-wise from redoing the autopsy. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Have a great night, and God bless. God bless. One episode, just